You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here, your host. And there's a lot that's happened within the past week or so in the world of professional wrestling. So let's get right into it. We had All Out 2020. We had AEW Dynamite this week. NXT Super Tuesday Part 2. Going to talk a little bit later on about SmackDown, what happened last Friday. Going to talk a little bit what happened on Monday Night Raw. But the first half of the show is mainly going to be NXT and AEW. So we're going to get right into it. Here we go. AEW All Out 2020. We have new AEW Tag Team Champions in FTR. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. With their new manager, Tully Blanchard, they have won the AEW Tag Team Championships. The main, I think this was the main focus of the show where... Hangman Adam Page and Kenny Omega lost the tag team titles, and Kenny Omega was ready to hit Hangman Page with that table right in the back. As Hangman went to go grab for Kenny, Kenny moved out of the way, and he was ready to just attack him. He was ready to beat the shit out of Hangman Page, but Kenny storms off. You see the young bucks, and he's like, he's like, come on, let's go, let's go. I'm done. I'm done with him. I'm done. Like, let's talk about this first. No, there's no talking about it. Let's go. Kenny's about to get to a car. He tells the Young Bucks, get in, and they're reluctant to get in. And he's like, look, it's now or never. Come on, we got to do this. And let's just, and the Bucks are just like, let's sit down and talk about this. And Kenny storms off. Um, with that being said, the other things that happened on AEW this week, as far as the elite go, Hangman Adam Page is very adamant in getting back together with Kenny and trying to win back the AEW tag team titles. Uh, Kenny Omega, not so much. Kenny had a sit-down interview with uh, Jim Ross, and Hangman had a sit-down interview with Tony Schiavone. Uh, Kenny, uh, he says that, you know, it's time to move on. If he thinks, if he has aspirations to try and get get back together and win the tag team titles, then he needs to move on because I think it's time for me to, to, be, to come back to doing what I was meant to do, and that's be a single star. And... He Kenny also said that he felt like he found his purpose when he was floundering in the singles division. He felt like he was meant to team with Hangman, but it all went to waste. And the Young Bucks, they super kicked Alex Marvez. Uh, he, Alex was trying to get a word with the Young Bucks. They opened the door, and then he walks into a super kick. So now the it seems the Bucks are slowly turning heel. It's... Again, we really don't know what's going on. Once you think you know one thing of what's going on with the Elite, AEW changes it and they keep you on your toes. And that's what I've really loved about this this storyline going on with the Elite. Um, so I was wrong in thinking that Hangman would align himself with FTR, but it seems that Hangman's kind of on his own. Maybe we're finally going to get that Kenny Omega heel turn that I've been talking about, that everybody's been talking about, that we've been wanting. Because John Moxley appears, he retained the AEW championship against MJF at uh, All Out. 
And now he'll be defending the AEW Championship against Lance Archer, the Casino Battle Royal winner. Um, if, if it's just even a fraction of what their New Japan, uh, their Wrestle Kingdom match was earlier this year, then we're in for a real barn burner of a match coming the anniversary episode of AEW Dynamite. But getting back to, to the Elite for a second. We have the Elite in shambles. Hangman is upset, and he wants to try and work things out with his friends. And in being the Elite, he straight up says, I fucked up. I know I fucked up. And the it, it appears that um, the Elite may be no more. Seeing uh, the latest being the Elite and seeing uh, Dynamite this week... It appears that might be the case, because you know, Brandon Brandon Cutler, who is the you know the Young Bucks friend, and there and he films most of being the elite with the Young Bucks. He was trying to get them to talk about Hangman because there was a thing where Hangman talked to Brandon when he was shooting a, a vignette, uh, some kind of thing for Christopher Daniels, and he put the camera down, but it was filming. Obviously, it's part of the storyline. Um, and when Brandon brought up Hangman to the Bucks, he didn't want to talk. They didn't want to talk about it at all. Towards the end of the episode, uh, he tried to talk to Matt and Nick about what happened with Kenny and still with Hangman. They don't want to talk about it. He's really still. You don't want to talk about it. And he's like, and Matt's like, you know what? I think it's time to start thinking about ourselves. And Matt, uh, Nick is wearing a golden elite, uh, elite shirt. And he's like, you know what? I don't even think you need that shirt anymore. And then shows uh, an old picture of them um, probably from their Ring of Honor days. Uh, where they were sitting outside a Cracker Barrel. It's in a picture frame, and the frame is uh, broken. So it appears the Elite are going to be going their separate ways, and it it seemed like that was going to be the case for a while now, with Cody kind of doing his own thing. Um, The inner turmoil between Hangman, Kenny, and the Bucks, it's, I mean, that's what it seemed like for a long time. You know, I think it's very possible that we could still get a heel Kenny Omega Maybe the Bucks can join him and the Hangman can go on a babyface run. But it's very uncertain as to what's going to happen for the Elite. And if the Elite are even still a group anymore in AEW. But that's I've, I've said for several weeks that that's the storyline that keeps me going. That's the storyline that wants me to watch more and watch Dynamite every single week. Because it just entices me so much. And it's just so, so good. And such great storytelling. Uh, they're able to, they're 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 able to hook you every week in order to watch. At least they're able to hook me every week every week to watch. That seems to be going on with the Bucks, Kenny, and Hangman Adam Page. They're just giving you a little bit to try and entice you for more. A few other things that happened on the show uh, earlier, going backwards a bit. Uh, the Lucha Bros had a tag team match with, I believe it was Jurassic Express. Yeah, Jurassic Express had the tag team match with the Lucha Bros, and Jurassic Express won with uh, Jungle Boy getting the pin. And it was shocking to see. And Pentagon Jr. and Ray Phoenix were fighting after the match. And then Eddie Kingston, the Butcher and the Blade, and their their whole new faction, they were they were trying. Eddie Kingston was trying to break it up. He's like, he's like, stop it, stop it, stop it. He's like, he's your brother. Shake his hand. And they're pushing and fighting each other. Eventually, Penta and Ray made up, but that got me very intrigued. I'm like, Penta and Ray having a a singles feud? Because it does seem like the Lucha Brothers have 
it seems like they have kind of gotten lost in the shuffle just a little bit because they are in the tag team division, but they're so great in the tag team division. But it's also people forget how great they are as singles wrestlers. People forget how great Ray Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. are as singles wrestlers. Now, I know they've had a good time in Impact Wrestling and Lucha Underground. I didn't necessarily know who uh, Pentagon and Phoenix were until All Out about two years ago. When I saw Ray Phoenix in the main event with teaming with uh, Rey Mysterio and, I, and El Bandito, uh, uh, sorry, Bandito versus the Young Bucks and Kota Ibushi. And Pentagon having that uh, that hardcore match, I believe it was a hardcore match, against Kenny Omega. That was the first time I saw these guys wrestle. found out they were brothers, and they blew my mind. Especially that Omega-Pentagon match. So now, it seems we're planting little seeds for an eventual heel turn for, I would have to say, Pentagon. I would have to say Pentagon would have to be the heel in this feud. Because for my money, or for, for my just my opinion, I think you can get a lot more value out of Pentagon and Phoenix as single stars. I think the tag team division has real it's I've said the AEW tag team division is so stacked, but it might be too stacked. And the Lucha Brothers are a part of that. Um we've seen Jurassic Express starting to get a little more notoriety and they're starting to get get more TV time, show more uh be more on television uh, prominently, I guess. Uh, but we've had teams like the Young Bucks and, uh, you know, the Lucha Bros, hang, uh, Hangman Omega, formerly, uh, the Best Friends, Santana and Ortiz. And it may be sometimes, obviously not everybody can be on TV all the time. Not everybody can be on TV every single week. We understand that. But this can help bring an opportunity for more tag teams like uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and... Uh, private party because uh, there's a lot of money in those two guys, Phoenix and Pentagon being in a single feud and having being single stars. I mean, I think Pentagon could be one of the top heels in the entire company and Ray Phoenix can be a, a great, great baby face. I mean, he's very, very similar to Ray Mysterio. Obviously you draw those, draw those comparisons, but, those two together in a feud and just those two on their own will be very exciting. Very, very exciting. I mean, just go watch anything they've done in impact in Lucha underground and the matches and the matches I mentioned at, at all in two years ago. So just a little tiny seed of potentially the Lucha brothers breaking up. And I'd love to see that feud. So the other things that happened on AEW dynamite the big news that happened, Miro is all elite. Miro day. Miro day. Miro day. Miro day. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the former Rusev in WWE, Miro has made his AEW debut this past Wednesday on AEW Dynamite. He looks good. He bleached his hair. He was revealed to be Kip Sabian's best man. The segment was kind of funny in the beginning. There's this big fat guy comes out. I think his name's Raph or something. He's like, Raph, I told you, man. Don't. You're not the best man. You're not the best man. Get in the back. Eat a sandwich. I don't even know if that's what he said. <laughs> but this big fat guy comes in. He says, like, 
I said you're the man. Not the I said you're the best for subscribing to my Twitch channel. Not you're the best man. And then he said, here's the best man. And it's Brian Pillman Jr. And he's it's his birthday. He's like, Brian, listen, I texted you. I said, you're the best, comma, man. I don't even like you. Not even friends. <laughs> so it was a little funny, funny, uh, some humor here and there. But then he points, here's the real best man. Here out comes Miro. And he comes out of the, the entranceway. You see his back beat. I'm like, who is that? And then you just hear, it's like kind of like a tech techno little uh, entrance theme and you hear a girl's voice uh, go Miro I'm like oh shit I got really excited uh, I was saying I thought Miro might have been able to show up for All Out this past weekend but I'm glad he showed up on Dynamite I was really really glad to see and I said he was bound to show up there sooner or later uh, it, it just seems like a good fit for him I was talking with, uh, with, with uh, my buddy Joe today uh, former guest of this podcast about how mm, how WWE has dropped the ball when it comes to guys like Rusev to a guy like Rusev who is just naturally over with the crowd he was able to get over on his own with Rusev Day but you know how WWE are if you don't get over by the machine pushing you then they're going to bury you and that's what they did with Rusev they buried him on the way out we thought for a while that oh, maybe he's just going to do a Twitch. I'm like, he's a wrestler. Wrestlers, they want to wrestle. Maybe he's just doing this for the time being. And, uh, you know, he also had his uh, 90 Day No Compete clause, but it's been way past that. But the former Rusev, now Miro, is all elite, and he cut a really great promo coming in saying that for 10 years, was in in this place and I was told about this imaginary brass ring and I always tried to grab it you can take your brass ring and shove it up your ass I'm in the best wrestling company in the world my name is Miro and I am all elite it was just a quick uh, straight to the point promo and he did a fantastic job and I cannot wait to see what he does next he is one of those guys who is so, like I said, so, so underutilized in WWE, and they had a real top baby face on their hands. They didn't, and they didn't capitalize on it. A few years ago, I went to a Ring of Honor show in either 2017, 2018. No, it was 2018. It was before All Out. It was like uh, March or April or something like that. And there was a guy wearing a Rusev Day shirt not too far from where I was sitting. And then those guys started chanting Rusev Day. And the entire Hammerstein Ballroom just starts chanting Rusev Day. Like, you got a real movement there. You've got something really, really organic and great. And WWE just, WWE just never capitalized on it. And it is a huge, huge loss for them. So... I'm happy for Miro. I'm happy to see what he does next. And I'm just imagining all the great matches he could have with the guys like like Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, you know, him getting in there with, you know, with Jericho again this time, or maybe Orange Cassidy, uh, MJF, Pentagon Jr., Ray Phoenix, all these guys, uh, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, 
uh, John Moxley where he is now, uh, Brody Lee where he is now. I would love to see what Miro does, how he does it, and I'm excited to see where he, where he happens next, what comes for him next. Congratulations to Miro, and be sure to follow his Twitch because he's still doing that. He still appears to be doing Twitch while he's working for AEW. Next thing that happened on the show is that FDR held a celebration for them winning the AEW Tag Team titles. Tully Blanchard was saying, "Fear the revelation." I guess that's one of the th- that's the thing that they're going to be going by now. The revelation, fear the revelation. One of the things that FTR means because originally it was fear the revolt, but FTR got into a bit of a legal troubles because there was already a tag team somewhere in the independents who've had the game for years calling themselves the revolt. But pretty much this segment was uh, it was just FTR running down the tag team division. They go to Christopher Daniels and uh, like almost all the tag teams are around the ring. And they go to uh, Daniels and and uh, Kazarian. And they say, "Like guys, SCU, you guys are great. We we grew up watching you guys. You you're fantastic. Like you you uh, we would have such a great match the two, the four of us. Like ten years ago, if you guys were still in your prime, man, that would be so great. Just running down the tag team division." They're running down Private Party. They run down Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to the point where they're not going to take any shit. They come into the ring and they want to attack FTR, but FTR, they you know they get out of there. They get out of the out of the ring to the point where Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus throw the champagne and the ice they had all over them when they were outside the ring. So next week they and uh, Jurassic Express laid down the challenge of them facing FTR next week. And if they can beat FTR, they will get a future AEW uh, Tag Team Championship match, which I would love to see. Don't think that they would win the titles from FTR, but it would be a great match. Again, like I said earlier, Jurassic Express are finally starting to get a bit of a push. They're starting to get more TV time. They're starting to take it a little more seriously in the Tag Team division. Uh, I think they probably had their best match to date this past Saturday with the Young Bucks at All Out, I thought that match was great. Uh, they were re- they were clearly the babyfaces in that match, and the Bucks were clearly the heels. And I'm glad to see that these guys are finally getting some re- uh, some real recognition and some some great great TV time. Um, I'm excited to see this match next week: FTR versus the uh, Jurassic Express. Also announced for the anniversary show of AEW Dynamite, uh, Lance Archer will be defending the AEW Championship against John Moxley. I may have mentioned that earlier in the show, but um, give some time and talk about this for a second. Lance Archer was a bit of a surprise that I that they picked him. I had thought Pentagon Jr. would win. I wanted to go with maybe Eddie Kingston, but it was a little too obvious they picked Eddie, Eddie Kingston. But we're getting Archer versus Moxley. Do I think Archer will take the title off of Moxley? I'm not exactly sure, to be honest. I, I don't think he will. But you never know. And again, the, the match they had er, this earlier this year at Wrestle Kingdom was an absolute barn burner. If they can even do just, just a fraction of what they had earlier this year, it, we're in for a great match. Uh, the, the Archer and... Jake the Snake had a had a backstage promo saying how Archer will take the title from Moxley and eventually everybody dies. Archer's uh, catchphrase there. So 
the one thing I just don't want to happen in this is that I don't want Archer to feel like he was wasted because they brought him in for a huge push to face Cody in the finals of the TNT Championship Tournament. And I think most of us thought that Archer was going to win. I know I thought he was going to win, but Cody ended up winning that match, which is not a bad thing, but I just figured it could harm some of these guys who you bring in, bring in a big push, and then they don't end up winning the title. I know they kind of felt that way at Brian Cage, but Cage seems to be doing all right. But I think the way to try and fix that is maybe you could get Brian Cage involved in this match. Because Brian Cage and Lance Archer still have beef, and that's a match that people really want to see. Archer against uh, Brian Cage, both two really big, agile guys, agile guys for their size. Um, I think that would be an absolutely excellent match to watch. The question is, what are they going to do? Will they have Archer lose clean? Will they have Brian Cage get involved? Because as as strongly as John Moxley has been booked as AEW champion, that's the one thing we want is that what's next for the guy if they don't win? What's next for the guy if they don't win the championship, if they don't win this feud? Because that's the most important thing. As wrestling fans, we are pretty much conditioned that if there is nothing next for the guy who doesn't come out on top of that feud, then that guy's buried or they don't know what they're doing with him. Because we are so conditioned by WWE's booking that we think it's bad. And that doesn't always necessarily mean that. Even in the case of WWE. Most of the time it means that for WWE. But it doesn't necessarily mean that for AEW. We all kind of thought, well, what's Lance Archer going to do now? Archer didn't do much, but now he won the Battle Royal. And he won a pay-per-view match. And he's going to be facing John Moxley for the world title. So at the moment, Lance Archer is the number one contender for the championship. And he's in a great spot right now. So, I think Lance Archer will be fine. I have more faith in AEW for what they're going to be doing with their booking rather than, than WWE and their piss-poor booking, which I'll get to later on the show because there's one particular thing that happened on Raw this week that really pissed me off, so get ready for a rant. Uh, going through a few things that happened with AEW Dynamite, just to wrap up on this a little bit because there are a lot of things I need to talk about. Um, for one, the fall that Matt Hardy took at All Out and then the promo he cut this past Wednesday. So, Matt Hardy was supposed to have a last man standing match with Sammy Guevara at All Out. Uh, They get up on a scissor lift, and there are supposed to be two tables there where they both fall through. Uh, Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara fall uh, off the scissor lift, and then they, they hit both the tables. Well, they hit one of the tables, kind of, but Matt Hardy's shoulders, neck, and skull hit the concrete, and... Matt Hardy was out. He was knocked out. Aubrey Edwards called for the X. Uh, Doc Sampson came over and tried to clear him, but Matt Hardy was out for a good 45 seconds. And Matt Hardy started to get up, and, you know, it's Doc Sampson seemed to have cleared him, but when him and Sammy started fighting, you know, like Matt was falling over, you know, and for whatever reason, they decided to go to the finish, which was Matt climbing up this giant uh, scaffolding to throw Sammy Guevara through uh, this wood with crash with a crash pad under it, I assume, uh, to for the finish of the match and just try and get it over with. 
this brought up a lot of controversy from AEW with Revy Hardy saying that she was livid at the fact that the match continued, uh, saying that her husband, Matt Hardy, Revy Hardy being Matt Hardy's wife, with her, her saying that her husband was concussed, uh, Tony Khan, AEW, claimed that Matt Hardy did not suffer concussion, and that he was okay in uh, coming out of the hospital. Um, but this drew a lot of controversy, and Matt Hardy spoke and said that he is okay. He is thankful for all you AEW fans, for all you wrestling fans who have been out there, who have supported me, who support who all the love that I got over the weekend and this past week, making sure that I was okay. And I'm here to tell you all that I am okay. I will be okay. Uh, he said that he is okay and that there's no need to worry that everything is fine. And that, you know, he, I think he said something like, I'd rather be the luckiest man than the, than the strong, than the, um, the toughest man. Because he could have gotten, it could have been a lot worse than what happened. Rabbi Hardy was there with their baby, with their newborn son. Well, not newborn, but their, their toddler son. Uh, she was holding him. And he was uh, saying saying hello to his other two boys, the baby Hardy boys at home. So this was really scary. Um, when I saw this, uh, when I was watching All Out, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no, this is bad. This is really, really bad. I was very surprised that they decided to go to the finish. Um, I don't know what really went on between Doc Sampson and Matt Hardy. If Matt Hardy said, oh, I'm good, Doc Sampson should have probably been like, no. You're hurt. We need to, we need to, we need to stop this match, and they did, but they restarted it. I don't think any pro wrestling fan, any fan at Daly's place, any fan watching at home would have been mad at the fact that they needed to stop the match because it was a pay per view. They need, they need to stop the match because Matt Hardy could have been hurt. Matt Hardy could have cracked his skull open. He could have done serious damage. Thank God he's okay. But I don't think any fan would have been pissed off if the match stopped. Because the stipulation of the match was also that if Matt Hardy lost, he would leave AEW. You can figure out the storyline stuff later on. You can wait till Matt's clear. Tony Khan could have said something and been like, you know what, uh, we need to stop the match. Matt Hardy, for kayfabe purposes, just say Matt Hardy is still employed with, AE, with All Elite Wrestling and that him and Sammy will have their match, will have their blow-off blow off match when Matt is cleared to return to the ring. You could have just done something like that uh, because you feel bad for Matt Hardy and Sammy Guevara in a sense because they probably would have had, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes, and all that time got cut. So it really sucks for them because now their match was cut and you had all this controversy online. I think the best course of action probably should have been when you stop the match, you stop the match and leave it at that. You didn't need to go and continue it. And, and Matt Hardy, I mean... He was dazed. He could have fallen off that thing too, where the thing where he pushed off Sammy Guevara. Let's just be thankful that Matt Hardy is okay. He didn't he appears that he didn't get a concussion and that he and that he's alive, for God's sake. That he's alive and that he is okay. So thank God for Matt Hardy. Thank God he didn't that he didn't take any serious, serious damage. Wrap things up with AEW Dynamite. Uh Brody Lee and Dustin Rhodes had a really great match. Uh, where Brody Lee successfully defended the uh, AEW TNT Championship against Dustin Rhodes. QT Marshall tried getting involved because the Dark Order started attacking uh, Dustin Rhodes, and Brody Lee and the Dark Order stood tall at the end of Dynamite. 
Now, Dark Order has been a big highlight for me for the past several weeks. Brody Lee in particular, and I've been loving what they're doing. I love what they're doing, and especially on Being the Elite. Being the Elite, the Dark Order are the funniest group of guys I've seen in a long-ass time. There was a funny thing on Being the Elite this week where um, I think it was Alex Reynolds and... uh, Five, I'm trying to remember. Then I really can't remember their name. I'm blanking on their names at the moment. But anyway, they're trying to recruit members, and they go into MJF's uh, locker room, and you see Wardlow, and then they're just trying to, like, yeah, this this guy, this big hunk of meat here. Oh, we know what you're talking about. And Wardlow's just all awkward, and he's like, uh, thank you, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, thank you. And then one of them just like goes around the backside, checks Wardlow out, like. Yeah, yeah, you'd be perfect. Yeah, let's have a good time. And then his uh, Wardlow's phone's ringing. He's like, "Look, guys, this is Max MJF. I gotta take this. So we'll continue this later, I guess." And then leaves the room. He's like, "All right, man, take it easy." And then more, uh, Alex Reynolds like smacks the other guys. Like, dude, what? Fuck, we were supposed to recruit him. He's like, ah, damn it, I was so mesmerized by how good he looks. <laughs> Uh, if if you haven't really been watching Being the Elite, do your best and just try and look up Dark Order segments in Being the Elite because they're my favorite thing right now going on. They can be serious on TV, on Dynamite, but on Being the Elite, they're so fucking funny. I love it. Like after the the, the match they lost at um at All Out, uh, Uno is on his phone and Brody Lee comes in and he's livid. He's like, fuck. He's like, what is that? What is that? Goes the evil Uno. He's like, it's it's my phone. It's like, is that Twitch? He's like, no, it's my Instagram. Twitch is dead. Twitch is dead. No more Twitch. And that's a, a jab at uh, WWE trying to ban wrestlers and different personalities of their company from using Twitch, which we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but Brody Lee has taken a lot of shots at Vince in his portrayal of the Exalted One and... It's really, really great work. Again, like Miro, uh, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does, but I've been so glad to see what Brody Lee has been doing ever since he's come to AEW. And it's just really, really, really great stuff, especially his jabs at Vince McMahon and his antics making fun of Vince McMahon. Got to move on to whatever else happened this week in wrestling, and that would be NXT. NXT Super Tuesday 2. I think we can all agree that this week's episode of NXT was a lot better than last week's episode of NXT. Surprisingly enough, they opened the show with Finn Balor and Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Sean and I were texting sometime the other night when NXT was going on, beforehand, and and Sean... Kept saying things like how oh, Pat McAfee's probably going to get involved. I'm like, don't, don't you say that. And I was calling it. I said, I'm calling it right now. McAfee comes in and uh, costs Cole the championship. And I'm so glad that I was wrong. But I was really surprised that that was the opener. The main event was Mercedes Martinez and Rhea Ripley in a steel cage match, which I didn't mind. But I'm surprised that Balor and Cole, Balor and Cole, uh, you know, opened the show. Because that's, that's the main event for me. That's what was going to make me watch, and, and it did. Which, Balor and Cole had a much better match this week over the Fatal 4-Way last week. 
Uh, I think last week, uh, last week the Fatal Four Way was just uh, it was kind of all over the place. I think that match would have been really, really good had it been like you know if crowds if a crowd was there in full sale. If a crowd, if a real crowd was there for full sale, then I think that match would have been maybe match of the year. That, that's saying a lot, but it's definitely it definitely would have been a contender. It was kind of all over the place. Uh, the pacing was a little off. Um, I think they probably should have been better off with maybe like a, you know, a tournament or something. This week we didn't see Champa. Uh, Gargano we saw at his house with uh, Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox, which they're getting to a feud, I guess. But getting back to Balor and Cole, Balor and Cole had a really great, t- uh, great championship match. Finn Balor is your new NXT champion, and for all of the all of you who were saying that. Oh, what's, what are they doing Finn Balor? They're not doing anything with Finn Balor. Well, Finn Balor's a champion, so shut your mouth. Finn Balor is now the NXT champion, and it's the right decision to make that Finn Balor is the NXT champion because Adam Cole was just NXT champion not that long ago, and it makes more sense to for, some, for something new and fresh for this character for Finn Balor, and I'm very excited to see how this reign of NXT ch- is, as NXT champion goes. Uh... After the match, you saw William Regal and Triple H uh, backstage with Finn Balor congratulating him, and then Cole comes around, is shakes his hand, congratulates him, and then gives him a two-sweet, showing their homage for both being in Bullet Club. But it's interesting to see that it appears that Adam Cole might be going on a babyface turn because he had an interview later on in the night and said that, uh, I can't remember the girl who interviews in NXT, but she asked Adam Cole, how did you... Uh, what are your thoughts on the match tonight? He's like, listen, it sucks, but Finn Balor was the better man tonight, you know. And, and congratulations to him. But next time he won't be. Next time there's a match between me and him, he won't be the better man, and I will walk out as NXT champion. And that is undisputed. It seems Adam Cole is leaning more towards a babyface run, even since uh, this thing with McAfee started. I think that it might be a good time to start. Adam Cole to go on a babyface run in NXT if him and the Undisputed Era are not going to be going up to the main roster. Because Roderick Strong had a match with Killian Dane later on in the night, and Bobby Fish accompanied him to the ring, and they were still very much heels. Strong and Fish, they were still very much heels. So it makes me wonder what's going to happen for the Undisputed Era? What's going to happen next? I've had this thought in my mind for a while as to what they can do for ERA, what they can do to still make the group still feel, I don't know, what, I don't know if I want to say relevant or just keep them interesting, but b- bear with me here. And as a big fan of the Undisputed ERA, I don't want this to happen, but I would be really excited to see what happens because of it. So what I can see happening is that Adam Cole gets kicked out of the Undisputed Era. Properly, like the guys in Bullet Club, when they would kick out somebody, kick out Adam Cole. Beat him up, beat the shit out of him, and Kyle O'Reilly is your new leader of the Undisputed Era. A proper singles run heel Kyle O'Reilly and Strong and Fish can go on and do, uh, you know, they can go on be a tag team. But Kyle O'Reilly 
is the singles, the breakout single star in that group besides Adam Cole. We already know Adam Cole is a single star, and Adam Cole will, will arguably be the greatest NXT champion of all time. But it's clear that he is not still the same Adam Cole who came into WWE in NXT when ERA first formed. He's not the same Adam Cole when he was the champion. This is a different Adam Cole. He's starting to change his character. He's starting to lean more towards the babyface side of things. So, if they want to do this, and they might do this, I say do it soon. Definitely do it soon. Because... I'm afraid that if they keep ERA going on like this, then I'm afraid they could flounder a bit. I'm afraid that people might get less interested in them. I feel like you could get people more interested in them with Cole feuding with O'Reilly and O'Reilly as the new member, uh, the new leader of the Undisputed Era. I say do this in NXT because... If this was main roster Raw or SmackDown, I would have zero faith in it. In a way, I do want to see Undisputed Era on Raw or SmackDown. I want to see what they did in NXT and, and have all the gold. I want to see that too, but I think because we got it in NXT, I think we should be happy that it's there. Because I don't think we should risk the main roster ruining Undisputed Era. The best thing that's happened in WWE for a very long time. The best faction that WWE's seen in a very long time. So, I mean, these guys get a lot of comparisons to the Four Horsemen. And that is a huge compliment to those guys. So, I think that you should have Kyle O'Reilly and Strong and Fish turn on Cole. Cole becomes a singles babyface star and O'Reilly is a new top heel. In, in NXT. That's just my little fantasy booking uh, scenario that I think could happen. Because Adam Cole clearly is on a babyface run. That's what seems to be happening next for Adam Cole. And we haven't seen that really in WWE at all. Cole's been a heel majority of his time in NXT. Going through uh, another thing that happened at NXT. Um, why is Velveteen Dream still on television? Why the fuck is Velveteen Dream still on television? So, apparently, this was being reported by the Dirty Sheets, and the guy who writes over there was with Vince Russo, and saying that the reason why Velveteen Dream is still on television, and he's not been fired or suspended, is because that he was able to find a loophole in the state of Florida. Apparently, and I have to remember all this, but apparently that because he was 24 at the time of, of the, that incident happening with those with those victims on Instagram, it's a loophole in, in Florida state law that apparently if you are under the age of 20, you can you can have a relationship with or a sexual relationship with someone if you are if you reach that age requirement if you're if you reach like 16 17 as long as they're in the, in the ages between like 20 and 24 which is incredibly fucked up 
And WWE said they put their own in, in their own investigation into this. They found nothing, even though the the uh, victims were never the, the victims were never uh, uh, contacted for said alleged uh, investigation. And I know I talked about this a while ago with uh, my friends John and Anthony, but the more I see this, the more I'm just like, why is Velveteen Dream still on television? Like, it's not like this is kind of some shit that they can sweep under the rug for 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 a long time. Like, this is still a big thing. People do not like that, myself included, do not like that Velveteen Dream is still on television. And now he's going to be put, booked into a few with Kushida. And apparently, he kind of made fun of the whole hashtag Fire Velveteen Dream on Twitter. He put up a picture of himself on any, from a show and said that, you know, that he's pretty much saying, like, you know, tonight's the dream comes into NXT, bringing that fuego, parentheses, miss you, Mauro, tonight. And at the bottom, it's it has a fire emoji and says dream, seemingly making fun of the hashtag fire velveteen dream. And he quickly deleted that tweet. So I think that's the case. But how WWE can still have him on TV after all of this is amazing. It's one thing if they want to take him off TV and try and make people forget about this whole thing. They're not even doing that. They still have him on television. And they're putting him in a feud. They brought him back for a championship ladder match at a pay-per-view at the end of August. It baffles me. Now, I haven't seen anybody else report on this whole thing. Because apparently the Dirty Sheets guy said that it was a quote from Velveteen Dream's lawyer that yes, it was done, but because it was a loophole, that legally he did nothing wrong. But how the fuck is that okay? How the fuck is that okay? It, 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 It isn't. In plain English, it isn't. And I can't believe that WWE are okay with this because they can fire them, fire him if they want to. They can fire him if they want to. Apparently, ja- a reason the reasons for Jack Gallagher being fired are for similar reasons for what Velveteen Dream did. So why is it that, Vel- that Jack Gallagher was fired and Velveteen Dream isn't? Why is it that, I mean, because I couldn't find anything on that, but that's what I've heard. There must have been substantial evidence for Jack Gallagher to be fired but for Velveteen Dream, it's you literally look up, look that up, and you will find it right there on Google. The messages and everything that he that he sent to these to these kids, it's right there in your face. But he's still on television, and Jack Haller, and Jack Gallagher is has been fired. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And that is the one thing I cannot stand going on in wrestling right now is that Velveteen Dream is still employed. That he's still employed. And at the very least, that WWE are still putting him on TV and making it seem like nothing happened. You can't do that. But they can't keep doing this shit forever. Because when it comes to shit like this, especially with all this child sex trafficking uh, news that have come out in the past number of years, and, and grooming and everything, they cannot keep this going on for long. Because they're going to be in a real bad way. And they're going to be in real deep shit if they keep this shit up. 
And I'm going to stop there with Velveteen Dream because there's another rant that I have on this podcast. Because, but before we get to that, let's talk about something good. Let's talk about the G1 Climax returning and the participants being in this year's G1. Wasn't really sure as to what was going to happen with the G1, but thank God we're going to get the G1 this year. And I got to tell you, it is stacked. In the A block, we have Kota Ibushi, Jeff Cobb, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Will Ospreay, Shingo Takagi, Minoru Suzuki, uh, Takashi, Jay White, and Yujiro Takahashi. In block B, we have Hiroshi Tanahashi, Juice Robinson, Hiroki Goto, Taro Yanu, Yoshihashi, Tetsuya Naito, the current IWGP and Intercontinental Champion, Sonata, Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta, and Evil, the former IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Champion. So, last year I predicted that I thought Kota Ibushi was going to come in, win the G1, and then go off to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship from Kazuchika Okada. I was only half right that uh, uh, Ibushi won the G1. But this, oh man, if you are unfamiliar with the G1, it is a tournament. Pretty much it's like New Japan Pro Wrestling's Royal Rumble. Uh, instead of having an over-the-top rope battle royal, they have a tournament. And whoever walks out with the most points at the end of that tournament from each individual block, from the A and B block, those two competitors meet in the finals. The winner of that match will face the IWGP Heavyweight Champion in the main event of Wrestle Kingdom. Now, if the champion wins the, uh, uh, the G1 Climax, because Naito is the current champion, if the champion wins then he gets to pick his opponent for Wrestle Kingdom. That hasn't happened in a very long time. I'm not even sure if it even happened with Okada as champion. But Okada is currently not the champion. And Okada is New Japan's golden boy. Like, he, he is the one. But, judging by this, we're going to have a lot of great matches. I mean, we, have, we can have Ibushi and, and Osprey. We can have Okada and Osprey. Okada and Ibushi. Uh, Jay White and Osprey, Shingo Takagi and, and Will Osprey. For those of you who've never seen the Best of the Super Juniors finals from a couple years back, go watch Will Osprey uh, from last year. Actually, go watch Will Osprey versus Shingo Takagi. In my opinion, it was the best match of 2019. It was absolutely stellar. It was fantastic. It was I- incredible. A lot of people don't give the love that New Japan really, really deserves because as far as a pro wrestling in the ring uh, product, in ring product, New Japan has it has the best. Nobody has it beat. People come close. Some come close with the matches, but New Japan just put on amazing matches after amazing matches all the time. It's, it is kind of hard to predict as to who can win the G1 because it does go on for a while and it is racked on points. And, you know, a guy like, let's say, uh, let's, let's say uh, Kota Ibushi could be doing really great in the beginning, but then towards the end doesn't do so well. So I'm not really sure who could win, but I'm going to go with a safe bet and I'll say Okada. I think for now, Okada looks like a good safe bet, at least to make it to the finals, because he's not the champion, so there's more of a chance that he'll that he'll walk out as the winner. Who he'll face in, out of the winner of the B block? 
You got, I mean, you got guys like, you know, you got Naito, you got Tanahashi, Kenta, Evil, Sonata. But Sonata, they've been kind of trying to push as a singles guy. And he did have a really great match with Okada last year in the G1, I believe. And Sonata, I think we very well could see Okada and Sonata in the, in the, in the finals. Or we could see Tanahashi and, and, and uh, Sonata. Uh, I'm sorry, Tanahashi or Okada. Or we see Ibushi and Tanahashi or, or, or Osprey. Osprey is another guy who I've been saying for a long time we could be seeing winning the the G1 tournament. He was in last year. He didn't win, but he had a hell of a great, a hell of a lot of great matches. So maybe I'll change my mind. Maybe I'll go with Osprey. Who knows? We're gonna have to wait and see. But I'm excited. I cannot wait. And usually the G1 climax, the final is. One of, if not the best match of the year. It is just that damn good. So had to get a little bit of New Japan news in there. Haven't talked about New Japan in a little while. So that's exciting to look forward to. Wrapping up quickly with what happened on... A little bit of what happened on SmackDown last week and what happened on Raw this week. So SmackDown opened up with Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns' heel turn is getting off to a great start. Roman Reigns... Had Paul Heyman do all the talking. That is exactly what you need. Just have Paul Heyman talk. Roman stand there. Look like a badass. Look menacing. And at the end, just have him hit a couple one couple lines. And that's exactly what this promo was. Paul said, once I thought I was done, he pulled me back in. Don't have it confused to think that... I'm corrupting him. No, 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 no. He's corrupting me. Paul Heyman is saying that Roman Reigns is the one to be doing the corrupting. Roman Reigns is the one getting inside Paul Heyman's head. It's not the other way around. Because that's exactly what you would think. Roman Reigns said that he showed up to payback and said what he was doing. He did what he was going to do and that was win back the Universal Championship. And that's what he did. Paul Heyman mentioned that you made a fiend universal champion. A fiend can't be a champion. You made a monster the universal champion. You can't make a monster the universal champion. You're the top star in WWE and you say, oh, you just won the, the universal championship How, on, on a, on a, on a t- television show programming on Fox. And you say, oh, you won the universal championship. How are you? Oh, great choice. I love their taking... Paul Heyman is always so great at taking kayfabe and reality and blending it into that nice gray area that he brings to his promos. Because that's what they... they, they he said, you made the fiend, a fiend the champion. made a monster the champion for his championship. Mentioned how he's fighting a deadly illness. You know, referencing to to uh, Roman having cancer or even coronavirus when he would decide not to work during the pandemic. This promo was fresh. It was new. And if we see more of this on SmackDown every week, I'm going to be watching every single week because I don't get to watch SmackDown every single week. And I don't t- typically... I didn't typically like enjoying watching SmackDown because it was just so boring with Braun Strowman as the Universal Champion. But Roman Reigns, heel Roman Reigns as champion with Paul Heyman, sign me up to watch. 
had to get that in there real quickly that I'm just enjoying so far with this Roman Reigns heel run. The other thing that happened on SmackDown is that Bailey attacked Sasha Banks. It finally happened. Bailey beat the shit out of Sasha Banks. They lost against Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax to regain the WWE Women's Tag Team Championships. And Bailey targeted Sasha's neck and she targeted Sasha's knee. And she beat her up everywhere. I remember my buddy John, former guest of this podcast, saying Bailey versus Sasha, class of champions. Oh no, I don't think so. I don't think this why would you why would you blow your load for Clash of Champions? Why would you do that? They've been waiting a long time to do this. This is one of the few things that main roster WWE are doing correctly. The booking of Sasha and Bailey for their feud. This has to get milked out all the way to WrestleMania next year. This is what you do. And this is what a lot of you are probably thinking. You wait until the Royal Rumble. Sasha doesn't make her return until the Royal Rumble in January. Take her, give her some time off. She comes in a surprise entrant. She wins the Women's Royal Rumble match and challenges Bayley for the SmackDown Women's Championship. And dare I say that that match could headline that WrestleMania. Not because it's, it's oh, give women the main event because they're women. No, because this story has been building for so long. This story has been properly executed, and it's been built. We've been on the edge of our seat. We've been waiting for so long. When is Bailey going to turn on Sasha? Or when's Sasha going to turn on Bailey? When is it going to happen? It finally happened, and now you keep us waiting again. You leave us wanting more so we can see this match at the biggest pay-per-view of the year at WrestleMania. This is the time to have the proper Bailey versus Sasha Banks match that we've been wanting on the main roster for so long. Yes, we much rather would have had it as Sasha Banks as the heel and Bailey as the babyface, but with how well they've been doing, I'm fine with it with the roles being reversed because Bailey as a heel has been amazing on the main roster than Bailey as a babyface. And that's not necessarily her fault. That's with the WWE not knowing what to do with her babyface character. So I say that Sasha wins the Royal Rumble. She challenges Bailey for the championship. They main event WrestleMania 37 next year. I don't see any other big match that could probably top that. There probably are a few matches that could probably top that. But I think as far as your story and how long it's been built and how long the fans have been waiting, when is it going to happen? You got to do it that way. You got to do it that way. Moving on to what happened on Monday Night Raw. Starting off with Drew McIntyre hitting three Claymore kicks to Randy Orton this week. Whereas last week, Randy hit three punts to, to Drew McIntyre's head. It plays into the nice storytelling that Randy and Drew never hit a finisher at SummerSlam. For those of you who may have thought that match was kind of milk, uh, you know, lukewarm, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It left me wanting more. Neither guy looked bad at all, especially Randy in defeat, because they didn't hit their finishing move. 
And Randy Orton, who supposedly had the greatest match ever earlier this year against Edge, Drew beating with a wrestling move. Now the the uh, favor has been returned with uh, Drew hitting three Claymore kicks. So now it's the it, the big thing building up to their match at Clash of Champions is that which finish is deadlier? They're both three apiece surprising each other with their finishers. I do hope that they do end up having Drew beat Randy. For as much as I said that I think Randy would be great with a championship and he's been the best heel of the year, I still want Drew McIntyre as WWE champion. I still want him to be champion when fans return. There have, there's still, yeah, there have been talks of, you know, taking the title off of Drew and then having him win it back when fans come back. But we're not exactly sure how many fans can return at the moment. So I say just keep it on Drew. And we can keep this feud going till Clash of Champions. I'm I, I'm enjoying everything that's going on with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre, with the exception of how Keith Lee is kind of the third wheel in this storyline. As great as Keith Lee's victory over Randy Orton was, decisive at payback, they've been having the same match the past few weeks. <sighs> Granted, yeah, Randy Orton is putting over, making Keith Lee look like a star. You know, Keith Lee kind of no-selling when Randy's trying to get the RKO, but he's done that before, has he not? I think the thing that needs to be done is that Keith Lee needs to kind of get out of this picture between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. He needs to kind of get out of this picture if you're not going to do anything prominent with him. I think what you could do is that you could have... After Clash of Champions, if Drew retains the championship, if they're not the main event, or you the Raw after Clash of Champions, Drew cuts a promo, Keith comes in, just takes a looks at Drew, looks at the title, gives him a pat on the chest, touches that championship, walks away. Just little subtle things like that. And maybe you could build to a championship match between Drew McIntyre and Keith Lee. Make sure Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre do whatever they want and they have a barn burner of a match. Don't put any dusty finishes. Don't put any screwy booking bullshit. Just let Keith Lee and Drew McIntyre do their thing. Because if Vince McMahon is so high on Keith Lee, like all the reports have been saying saying, uh, saying about him, for him to say make Keith Lee look like star to Randy Orton, then... Let him be a star. Make him look like a star. Don't let him be this third wheel in this in this feud with with Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre. As great as the feud is and as much as I've enjoyed it, Keith Lee, unfortunately, is a third wheel. Hopefully, he can get out of that sooner rather than later. Another thing, great thing that happened on Raw this week is that I love that Cedric Alexander has joined the Hurt Business. Cedric Alexander turned heel. May have not been made the most sense when he got beat up by the Hurt Business and then joined them, but he said he was tired of fighting Ricochet and Apollo Crews' battles. He joined the Hurt Business, which this is something Cedric Alexander needed. He needed He's needed for so long. As amazing he is in the ring, don't get me wrong, Cedric Alexander is absolutely incredible. I saw him had a great match with Bobby Roode at NXT House Show, and that match he had with Kota Ibushi in the Cruiserweight uh, uh, tournament. 
Holy shit, that is an amazing match. But Cedric Alexander has lacked character for a very long time. He's one of those guys who's, oh, I'm a really great wrestler and that's my gimmick. But he's lacked character so much. Now he's in the Hurt Business. Now he's in a prominent faction, a dominating faction, on Monday Night Raw. And I'm happy to see him have this change of character. And I'm happy to see him be aligned with Lashley, Benjamin, and MVP. Now he can be the breakout star for that group. Because MVP, Benjamin, and Bobby Lashley, they've all been around. They've been in the WWE. They've been elsewhere. They've had very successful careers wherever they've gone. But Cedric Alexander is still very much a guy who main casual wrestling fans, I should say, still don't know too much about him. This can be the launching launching pad for him to become a top-level heel or just a top star on Monday Night Raw. And him and Ricochet having a, having a series of matches? Ricochet is the babyface, obviously, and, and Cedric is the heel. I'm excited for it. I just want it to be done right, which is all we can hope for with main roster bullshit booking. All right, get ready for my rant. Kevin Owens and Aleister Black went to Raw Underground, the worst fucking thing on WWE programming at the moment. They go in to have a match, which gets cut with Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan having a handicap match against Shayna Baszler, which goes back to Raw Underground, which goes to Nia Jax and <laughs> Nia Jax having facing Shayna. I'm uh, sorry, Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan again to Retribution, cutting a meh promo, which I'm so underwhelmed by Retribution. Apparently, three confirmed members in that shot for that promo was Dominic Dijakovic, Mercedes Martinez, and Mia Yim. Um, I don't even think WWE is even sure as to what's going to happen at this point, but apparently Dijakovic is, lo- is going to be locked in there. Mercedes Martinez is going to be locked in there. And my God, to, to, to be given this shit, this, this shitty-ass idea for a guy like Dominic Dijakovic is, is baffling. It was a cookie-cutter, cut-and-paste promo, WWE-style promo, saying that they're tired of the injustice in WWE and the mistreatment that they have seen. It's like, oh, it makes you think it's the people who got fired earlier this year. No, it's not. I don't know. Th- this, this, I think this whole faction was to just try and boost the ratings and try and get some excitement, but it's done nothing. They've, they've done nothing to excite me. They've done nothing to... Get me excited. I'm just worried for Dominic Dijakovic, who was having some of the best matches in NXT with Keith Lee. And it seems he's going to be the leader of this shitty faction. Oh, you thought my rant was over? You thought my rant was about retribution? Oh, no, 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 no. If you recall back to a few weeks ago, I I talked about how it was being reported that Aleister Black needed a, a character change. So they turned him heel. Okay, cool, I guess. He didn't need to turn heel. You fucked him up so much, you didn't need to turn him heel. But you did. I guess beggars can't be choosers because he's in a feud with Kevin Owens. And this can be used to get him upper in the card. You know, higher in the card, I should say. Back at the Raw Underground little match. It was barely shown on television. To the point that when it was shown more on Raw... Who's this big motherfucker here? I gotta remember his name. This big dude they were, they're trying to push. 
Yeah, here, here it is. I have Alistair Black versus Kevin Owens on Raw Underground ends in a no contest because Daba K Daba KO interfered and took both of them out. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Why? Wait, this is what I don't understand. Vince McMahon loves big sweaty men, as the song goes. You sat. <laughs> Alistair, you just turned Alistair Black heel. You just turned him heel. And you had this big dude just come in and squash these two? That just goes, I don't know, it just goes against the rules of un Raw Underground? You let the fight finish and then you can come in after? I, I, I don't know. It, it, it baffles me. It absolutely baffles me. I'm not saying that this guy, Dabakeo, can't be good. Clearly they're high on him. But at the expense of, 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 I mean, Kevin Owens, I don't know. Kevin Owens can take losses and take stuff like this. But to just turn Aleister Black heel and to have him get just beaten up by this guy, chokeslammed by this guy, the fuck are you doing? Seriously, what are you doing? I won't understand. I, I refuse to understand this, this logic, lack thereof. Why are you doing this to Aleister Black? Why? He is so easy to book. And if you wanted to make him a, a, a heel, a menacing heel, strong, don't fucking put them in Raw Underground. And, and don't put them in this situation. Again, Kevin Owens can, can kind of bounce, that, bounce back from this. But you just turned Aleister Black heel. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't understand. What are you trying to accomplish here? With Aleister Black. I understand what you're trying to accomplish with Dabakeo. I understand that. What are you trying to accomplish with Aleister Black? Are you going to turn him back babyface and have him feud with Dabakeo? Because if that's the case, you're just going to have this big, big motherfucker beat up Aleister Black. That's what you're going to do. I don't get what what is going on here. At first, it seemed like the Pritchard McMahon era was... Doing okay, but no, there are reports showing that that Raw is in shambles backstage, and Vince McMahon didn't see what hat what was the script for Raw until like seventy minutes before the show started. How are you? Oh my God, I, I don't get it. I I just don't get it. Why are you going to? Why are you going to turn Aleister Black heel, and then essentially have him job out to this big dude? I don't understand. I really don't understand. For the sake of Aleister Black, I don't understand. Why turn someone heel, put him and Kevin Owens into a feud, and then do this? It makes zero sense, and Raw Underground is the worst fucking thing to happen to Monday Night Raw in a very long time. Finally, what happened to Monday Night Raw, Dominic Mysterio and Murphy had a street fight. And it was a good match, and reports show that WBC Dominic Mysterio is a top babyface one day. Good for him. Very good for him. I like Dominic Mysterio. I like what he's been doing so far. And that in the match, Mysterio and Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio were beating up on Murphy to the point where they got Murphy tied up in the ropes and they start beating the shit out of him with kendo sticks. Rey Mysterio looks in the camera and says, I hope you're watching, Seth. I hope you're watching, Messiah. And then in comes Angie and Rey Mysterio's daughter, and they take turns hitting Murphy with the kendo sticks. But you could tell 
they're all holding back. Because Dominic Mysterio, uh, because Ray, I'm sorry, because Murphy and Rollins, they properly beat the shit out of Dominic Mysterio with those kendo sticks. I don't think Murphy's going to come out as bad, not as nearly as bad. Murphy ends up quitting in the match. But it was pretty funny to see the Mysterios just beat the shit out of out of Murphy and to see Ray's daughter and, and, and his wife get involved. It was pretty funny. But my question is, when is this feud going to end? For as good as that was, and as entertained as I was by that, when is this feud going to end? This has been going on for a while. There needs to be an end game to this Mysterio-Rollins feud, and it needs to be soon. I thought maybe it could have been over when the, when Ray and Dominic got the win over uh, Murphy and Rollins at Payback. Evidently, that's not the case. So that's what I want to know. I want to know when is this feud going to end, and when are we gonna? What is the end game to it? Is it going to be Dominic versus Ray, uh, Rollins one last time? Is it going to be Ray versus Rollins in one last big blow-off match? Will Dominic be able to? Will Dominic turn heel and join the Greater Good? I don't know. Speaking of which, the Greater Good lost two members with AOP being released this week. AOP got released, and it just really sucks because those guys were. They made a big difference in the tag division. They were different. They were big monsters. They could bump. They were. They had great matches with. Uh, they had a great triple tag match against the Revival and DIY at Takeover Orlando a couple years ago. They uh, were the Raw Tag Team Champions. They were the first recruits into Seth Rollins' Greater Good Faction. But I guess they thought they were injury prone. And now, oh, what could have been? What could have been? I guess that's the reason why. I think that's kind of the reason why they're just, you know, they're just getting injured a lot, and they said, oh, you know, we'll just send them home. Yeah, we'll release you of your contract. But those guys, I see them going to like New Japan or Ring of Honor. I think they could really make a big difference there. I don't know if they go to AEW right away or anything because, again, I talked about how the division is stacked. Overall, this this story between Mysterio and Roll and the, the Mysterio family and, and Seth Rollins and the Greater Good, it needs to come to an end because as good as it is. It can get stale. It can get stale, and it will get stale very soon if there is no end game to this. I think you should wrap this feud up at Clash of Champions. Have one more match between maybe Ray and uh, Rollins, uh, and Rollins, or Dominic and Rollins, and just leave it at that. And that'll do it for this episode of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for bearing with me for it being a bit of a longer one this time around. But uh, thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, please, if you haven't already, please be sure that you're following us on Twitter at TNAWP, uh, liking us on Facebook and Instagram uh, at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you can find your fine podcast formats. Uh, Anchor.fm, if you go on the Anchor.fm website, you can see where the Not Another Wrestling Podcast is available to all formats. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you're all doing safe, doing well out there. I've been CJ Palmasano, and I'll see you next time.